Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to catch the last four verses of this chapter, verses 11 through 14, and the title is, You Should Have Known By Now. So this passage is a passage where the pastor to the Hebrews, he's going to give some strong exhortation because they were in a, a, a dangerous state. They were in an arrested state of spiritual development, and he's going to call them to move on from that point. Indirectly, they're going to be challenged as they grow to help others in their faith, to help others grow in their maturity. For us, all of us must be diligent students of the word of God. It is not enough to allow somebody else to become skilled in the word of God in your place. You must become skilled in the word of God. So we begin reading there at verse 11. We'll read the whole section just down to verse 14. Of whom we have much to say, that would be of Melchizedek we have much to say, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We have four main points that we're going to make. Three of them is a negative evaluation of where they are. And the fourth uh, point is uh, the result of becoming uh, diligent in the word of God we grow up. So the first problem that we see there in verse 11 is that they had become dull of hearing. They had become dull of hearing. He says, you have um, got to this place that you are lazy listeners. We want to talk about deeper issues, but we can't talk about those deeper issues. We can't talk about Melchizedek right now because things have gotten out of place in your understanding and the way in which you listen to the word of God. The problem, as I stated in the opening, is that this, these believers were in an arrested state of spiritual development. A person who gets in an arrested state of physical development, that's, that's sad. I mean, these are the kinds of things we seek doctors for. These are the things we seek the Lord for. And when somebody is in that place, it is a challenge. But these believers had stopped growing spiritually. I wonder how many times the Lord maybe has wanted to do something more in my life or I wanted to share something with me, but because of where I am spiritually, that had to wait till another time. That had to wait till I grew and I got past the, the, the point of being distracted with other stuff. And then when I finally got my heart right, he's like, okay, now I can speak to you about the things I've been wanting to. That, that's a, that's an, a kind of a, a sad thing to ponder that the Lord could want to say or do something in our life and we would not be willing to do it. And so he's like, I can't share it. I'm not gonna talk to you about this right now. But it isn't just the Hebrew believers that had a problem with the way they were hearing the word of God. It was also the Corinthian believers. 1 Corinthians 3, verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, 
You are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The point is we don't behave like mere men because we've been transformed by the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are to be spiritual people taking on spiritual food. For a new believer, somebody that just came to faith, hey, the milk, the basics of the word is that's exactly the right thing for them to have. But if you're five years into your walk with the Lord and you're still going over the same material that you went over when you first got saved, there's a problem. There's a problem with you spiritually in your spiritual development and growth. And he is exhorting them through the evaluation that they need to move on. They need to grow. Um, the idea here for uh, dull is the, it could also be slothful or sluggish. It refers to a lack of um, spiritual fervor for the word of God. And so ask yourself, evaluate your own heart this morning. What is my spiritual state, fervor, excitement for taking in the word of God? Now listen, you made it to church, so that says something, right? Uh, Congratulations, don't get proud, just congratulations. You made it to church to dig into the word of God. And that's part of what we do. We come to church, but that's not the sum total of it. That can't be the sum total of our experience. I mean, you, you know, think of the metaphors that are used for the believer. The believer is called an athlete. We're going to talk about that at the end of our study. A believer is called a soldier. A believer is called a farmer. That's a, that is, those three activities have a high caloric um, output, don't they? You've got to be taking in a lot of food to be able to match that kind of physical output. Well, spiritually, this is what you are. And if we think we can eat once a week and that spiritually is going to maintain us, then we are ignorant of how demanding the spiritual life is. And so they had become dull of hearing. They had become sluggish. They had no spiritual fervor or little spiritual fervor for their faith. Now, they had a word problem, and this we we saw in chapter 2, verse 1. We see that they were drifting from the word that they had received. In chapter 3, verse 7, they were doubting the word that they had received. And now here in chapter 5, verse 11, they are dull in their approach to the word. And so the word of God is something that is, it's a great way for us to measure where we are spiritually. Because if you have a hunger and a thirst and you're engaging in it, then you're in a healthy spot. We just sang songs of like, you know, you know, you're all that I need. Well, you're all that I want. The more I want, you know, I know you, the more I want to. And you, you hear that spiritual fervor. We just testified and declared to the Lord. And the word of God plays an important part in developing that fervor. And there should be a zeal to hear what the Lord has to say. Many have a take it or leave it type of attitude around the word of God. And that is going to leave you vulnerable for the attack of the enemy. And it's going to keep God from being able to to speak to you and lead you on into the things that he's calling you to do. Now, listen, we read a couple of negative examples of people's attitude towards the word of God. But let's read a couple of positive ones. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, 
Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So here Jeremiah is like, I love your word. It's the joy, it's the rejoicing of my heart. Not only is it the joy and the rejoicing of his heart because he wanted to take it in, but that's what the word of God produces in your heart is joy and rejoicing. Read through Psalm 119 and you'll see this theme come up uh, uh, quite a few times. So he was hungry. He wanted the word. He wanted to eat it. He wanted to take it in. He wanted to digest it. Job 23, 12. The man in the midst of the trial of his life says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What's the necessary food? His physical food. He says, if I have to choose between having the word of the Lord in my life or having physical food, I will, ch- I will take the word of the Lord. That's the thing that I need more than anything else. And so you hear that spiritual fervor. There's no, no dullness of heart for Job. There's no sluggishness of spirit for Jeremiah. These men were hungry to take in the word of God. And we need to be aware of those things that will quench our thirst in our spiritual pursuits. Do you remember growing up, or parents, do you remember saying recently to your kids, don't eat that right now, you're gonna spoil your appetite, you can have that afterwards, or we're about to have dinner. I don't want you to eat that junk food when you're about to have this food that I've just spent all day getting prepared. Well, spiritually, that's true for us as well, as we can ruin our appetite for the things of God by bringing in so many other streams of thought and so many other endeavors. Listen, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable or helpful. You know, you can, there's a lot of things you can watch. There's obviously sinful things, but we're not talking about it. There's a lot of things you can watch. There's a lot of things you can read. There's a lot of things you can study. There's a lot of hobbies you can have. There's a lot of pursuits you can go after. But the one thing we need to make certain is that in our pursuit of those things, it does not quench our thirst for the Lord. Because Jesus himself said, but seek ye, what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. It's gotta be the top priority in our life. Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken as captives over into Babylon from Israel, and they were uh, given a spread of food, of uh, the king's delicacies, and these men said, we can't eat that. that that's, that's not kosher. We can't eat these things. They said, just give us vegetables and water. They understood if they partook of the king's delicacies, they were going to be in a, in a bad place in their, uh, their diet before the Lord. And, and this is the way we need to think about it. Yeah, okay, so it's not sinful. But you can become so busy in so many other things that you just don't have time or energy or the want to, to engage in spiritual life. So, yeah, all things are lawful, but not everything's gonna help you in your spiritual growth. And if you look at your life, you're like, man, I am sluggish, I am dull, there is little spiritual fervor. There may be several things going on, but this definitely is one issue for you to consider, and that is, Have I just busied myself in so many other things that I have no time and space, no headspace left over to even contemplate the things of God? So they were dull of hearing. Don't let that happen to you. Don't become sluggish. 
Look at verse 12. The second problem is not only were they dull of hearing, but they were unable to help others. <laughs> they were unable to help others because they were dull of hearing. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Well, the expectation, the unstated exhortation is that we all should be helping other people that are not as far along in their walk as we are. Or maybe sometimes it's just as far, or maybe even further. But we all are to have a voice of input into each other's life. But if you become dull of hearing, if you're not zealous for the word, then when you should be speaking and teaching others, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to get yourself reacclimated to spiritual life. Are you in a position that you could help others grow in their walk with the Lord? It's like, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, listen, this applies to all of us, pastor or not. These are, this is not a group of pastors. This is not a pastoral epistle. This is a church, and the expectation is that they would be helping others progress in their spiritual life. And that comes straight out of the Great Commission. Not only are we to go and preach the gospel, but we are to teach them to observe the Lord in all things. We all have a role of instruction in each other's life. You may never prepare a Bible study. You may never stand in front of anybody or a group of people. But listen, all of us should be sitting down over cups of coffee or, you know, wherever you spend time with somebody. And as the things of the Lord come up, is to talk about it. If somebody's struggling with with fear, or somebody struggling with being hurt by somebody, or somebody struggling with anxiety, or somebody struggling with answering a call of God upon their life, or there's a struggle in their flesh. Listen, you, myself, all of us should be in a place that we are ready to instruct and teach people to walk those things out. But if we've become dull of hearing ourselves, if we become lazy listeners, then we certainly aren't going to be active speakers and teachers. And so the unspoken exhortation here is you need to be helping other people progress in their spiritual lives. The word of God in your life is not just for you. It is for you. But it's also to prepare you to help other people grow in their walk with the Lord. Jude chapter one, only one chapter, verse three says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. The saints, that's just a name for Christians. So he tells them, all believers have this responsibility to contend for the faith. How can we contend for the faith if we're not able to teach the faith? How can we contend for the faith if we've become lazy in our listening and our handling of the word of God? And so this is a strong exhortation. You know, you, as you look around the world, do you think there's a greater attack upon our, our faith in this country at least than we have seen in, in the years gone by? And for me, my, I would say absolutely there is. And we need to be contending but we need to be in the word of God so that we can do this. We can know what to emphasize. We can know what's important. That we'll have a, uh, the necessary strength to stand in the face of the opposition and say, no, 
This is what we believe and we will not kneel and we will not bow to any other uh, ideas, any other ideologies or worldviews. This is what the word of God says. But you gotta know what the word says first. If you don't know what the Bible says, how could you possibly contend to preserve it? How could you possibly stand in opposition against that which comes in to undo it? And so we need to be in the word of God. Now, far from helping out others, he says, you need somebody, you, or you need the first principles again. You need the oracles of God, the, the, the basics. Stoikion is, is the word here, and it means the rudiments, the fundamental principles, letters of the alphabet. So like, basically what he's saying goes, you ought to be teaching people, but we have to go through the ABCs and the one, two, threes one more time with you. That's where you've come to. You've become so dull. You need these first principles to be laid down. But what he says is, you have come to need. You have come. And the idea behind this word, um, you know, have come, is, is the idea of you weren't at this place before, but this is the new state of things. In other words, practically, you may look back on your life five years ago and it's like, man, Five years ago, I was in the word and I was praying and I was on fire for the Lord that the Lord would have come to me at that point and would have said, I need you to do this. Or I want you to go here. Or I want you to do that. I would have been all over it. I was in the word. I was zealous for the things of the Lord. But now you've come to the place where you need the basic principles again. You've regressed. You're in a downward spiral in your walk with the Lord. And it's gradual and it's slow. And that's just the way the enemy wants it. The enemy loves for it to be slow and gradual. That burn that just, it, it eats away at the foundation. I mean, yeah, it certainly can have a, 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 you know, a one-off attack where you fall, but that's not going to destroy your faith, is it? You'll repent, you'll get up, you'll keep on going. But this long burn of, of, of destroying year after year, month after month, that is, that's, that's really what he wants to accomplish. And so you can maybe look back and say, yeah, I, I didn't need the basics back then. I was, I was diving in. I was going deep. Well, I pray that you will return to that place, that you'll allow the Spirit of God to exhort you, to correct you, that you've not been handling the Word of God as you ought. Now, the ABCs and the 1, 2, 3s are going to be talked about more in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, so I'm not going to go through a, a list of them at this time. We'll get that in our, um, our study in chapter 6. But here they are in that arrested state of spiritual development. They were not advancing. And it's clear from the pastor's address that the believers should be advancing. You should be growing. You should be maturing. You should be ready to help other people in that journey. And I would encourage you to think about that. Who have I helped grow lately? Who have I helped through a trial lately? Who have I spoken into? Well, I just don't have time for that. Well, you better make time. Because it's a responsibility you have given to you by the Lord is that we would exhort and encourage and love and that we are to look out for the interests of others, even above our own, it would say and does say. In the book of Philippians, you are second to the needs of those that are around you. Now, that's not what you're going to hear from the world. You know, you got to look out for number one. You got to take care of yourself. But that's, 
that's not what the scripture says. The Bible says is that, yeah, okay, spiritually be engaged with the Lord, but help other people. And don't become self-serving, but be an others-centered person. So first two things. They, um, they were dull of hearing. Secondly, they should have been in a place to help other people, but they were not. They still had to go back to the basics themselves. The third thing that we read in verse 13 is that they were unskilled in the word. For everyone who partakes uh, only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The beginner's diet is fine for the beginning believer. It's not a rebuke. That's not a problem. If you are new in the faith, then you should be taking on the basics and getting that established. And when we have one of the new believers, a foundation class that comes around, I encourage you, sign up for it. You're like, well, I don't need that. Okay, let me ask you this question. Can you give the basics away? Hmm, I don't know if I can give it away. I know them, but I don't know if I could give them away. Then go to the class so you can give it away. You, you, we need to be instructed so that we can fulfill that. But they were unskilled in the word, and um, they were not eating uh, solid food, as we're going to read here. They were just taking on milk. And this is a problem that not only existed in the early church, but exists down to our day, where oftentimes... What believers are fed are, are, are only the basics. And it's just the, 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 the ABCs and the one, two, threes. It's get saved and obey Jesus. And, and that's what the church hears every single week. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with get saved and obey Jesus, but there's a lot more to know and grow and understand in our faith than just that. Paul was greatly concerned for the church. And what would happen to the church as he departed, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's writing his last letter. He's about to, he's in prison. He's about to be put to death. And he writes to young Timothy and he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Wow, that's like, that's a definitely get your attention kind of a statement, isn't it? I charge you, you listen to me, boy. <laughs> And you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to give an account on this. You better listen to this. All right. All right. What is, tell me. I'm listening. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. He says, bad days are coming, but you, Timothy, you teach the word. You preach it. You convince people of what you're saying. You rebuke them if necessary. You exhort them to go on in their walk with the Lord and do this with patience. Don't ever give up on doing this and you better be ready to do this at all times, Timothy. Not just here and there. This is the continued action of your life. But as I said, we live in a time as existed even in that first century where many people were unwilling to dig in deep into the word of God. You know, I've shared this before and I'm not going to take a lot of time because I don't want to just rehash it, but it's just, I think it's relevant. When I got here 28 years ago, 
um, I had a lot of people. One guy in particular, I can remember standing, a pastor, and he said, he, go, he told me to go home. That's the first thing he said. He goes, he goes, you're coming here to start a church? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, my advice to you is pack your bags and get out of town as fast as you can. It will never work here. And I said, well, I can't do that because this isn't my idea. It's the Lord's idea. He called me to do this. And he said, well, what's the church going to be like? I said, well, I mean, we're going to, you know, we're going to go through the Bible. He goes, you're going to do expository preaching? And I said, yeah. He goes, it definitely won't work. And he says, people in this town do not want to hear the word of God. And I said, well, I'm going to have to learn that for myself. But I've got to do what the Lord has called me to do. You know what I have found out? People want to hear the word of God. People want to know. The believer wants to know the truth. And it needs to be given to him. But the troubling piece is this. As we think about Paul exhorting Timothy and pastors. Is that so often the biggest goal that is in the church. Is not how big can you grow believers. But it's how many people can you get inside the building. That is not. That, that is destined for failure. Because what drives the model is more people. Rather than what's driving the, the model is believers growing and maturing. And what happens when the, when the culture changes? What happens when, you know, maybe there's a, a falling away that takes place. Well, we have less numbers here and we were teaching the word of God and, and, and now, well, they've left. So we got to find another way to get people to come in. Or, you know what, we can't convince people to believe a certain way anymore. We'll just let them think whatever they want. Or we're not going to rebuke them. We're just going to say only nice, happy, you know, cheery messages that are going to uh, get them out the door. No, that's not what we're called to do. And so if the model is simply to grow a big church, if you're teaching the word and it's growing, then I guess you just happen to land on, you know, a, a, you know, a lucky set of circumstances. But things are going to change. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? You, you, may, you may get it right for a moment, but what's going to happen when you see the numbers drop? This is, this is the, the problem that we have. And so the, the goal is not to just get in. I mean, you know, if, if you went back and you listened to a message that I gave in 1994, I hope I'm a better teacher. I hope I've grown in that. I hope that, you know, I, I, I know the word of God better. I hope I've grown as a man. But I can tell you from where, where I sit, it's the same thing. I'm doing the same thing that my pastor, Pastor Chuck, did for his 40 years, 45 years of ministry of teaching through the Bible and giving the word of God. This is what's needed. And if that doesn't happen, then people will not be skilled in the word of God. Look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15, where it becomes so clear that this is what should happen. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about 
with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ. How can the church do this unless they are using the word of God? How can you grow into the fullness of Christ? What's that? How can you grow to look like Jesus in the way you live your life, in the way I live my life, apart from the, the impact of the word of God? How can you be secured so that you will be not led astray by false doctrine if I'm not giving you doctrine? I can remember back, oh, you know, early 90s and um, mid 90s, and, and the big thing was don't teach doctrine in church, which is. It's just a, it's a testimony of one's own ignorance because the word doctrine in, in the Greek language is the word teaching. So what you're saying is we're not going to teach at church anymore. Well, you're fired then, pastor, because we don't need you. But, but this idea that we would not do that, well, why don't we want to teach doctrine? Well, you know, people don't want heavy stuff. Why would you not give doctrine? Well, because, you know, doctrine can be hard and sometimes that, that people don't want to be corrected. Like, okay, maybe some, you mean the ones that have itching ears and are looking for teachers? I don't think you want that. I don't want that. I want to hear the word of God. I want to be challenged in the word. I want to be exhorted. I want to be comforted. I want to be encouraged. I want to be rebuked. Lord, what do I need? That's what I want. And so we go through the word of God. We don't avoid the hard topics we don't fight, we don't target them either. You know, the, the, thing, the thing that I have appreciated and got, got some perspective, pastoring for 28 years, I love the fact that I don't have to go and look for the topic to preach to address the issue in the church because it just comes up. And there are times where I promise you, I would have never ever taught the message that I taught on that night if it would not have been the next chapter in the Bible. If I would have been teaching a different manner, I would say, well, I can't teach that one tonight because if I teach that today, everybody's gonna think that I am targeting. There was a time where I had a meeting called for one of the ministry teams, and um, this rarely has happened, handful of times I can think of, but this one ministry team, they were having a problem with uh, division and gossip. I was made aware of it. So I said, all right, we'll meet afterwards. <laughs> On that night, I was teaching through James. I talked about controlling your tongue. I walked into the meeting, and I said, okay, guys, are like, you don't need to be in here. We got it. We understand the problem. We heard the Bible study. Can we just deal with this ourselves? I said, absolutely. I walked out the door. I didn't have to sit in that meeting. And that, that's what the word of God does. It addresses issue. You know, it's like, well, if you teach through the Bible and you teach this way, you know, um, you're not going to address the issues. Says the person who's never taught through the Bible. Not the person who teaches through the Bible. That's never said by them. Because it's, it's just evident you're going to deal with these issues. Um, I think back recently when we went through the book of Genesis. Man, the book of Genesis hit every cultural issue that we're dealing with right now. I mean, right between the eyes, like that's it. So we must teach the word of God because 
That's the exhortation, but it actually will edify us. It will bring us to unity. It will, it will develop us into skilled people that live and think and talk like Jesus. Well, verse 14, we wrap it up. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. So mature people eat adult food, right? That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let me read to you a helpful paraphrase on verses 13 and 14. Anyone who lives on milk is a baby who does not know by experience what is right. But mature people, on the other hand, can take solid food because they've learned by practice and training to be sensitive to the difference between good and evil. What is the good and evil that this group of believers were having a difficult time understanding? Well, we've talked about a, a bunch of issues, but let's just go back to the verses that preceded it, where we, we looked at the life of Jesus and how he cried out to the Father to be spared from the trouble of the cross. And we, we talked about that. But in his prayer, because his senses had been exercised to know the difference between good and evil, he did not pray, Lord, just get me out of this circumstance, whatever you have to do. Because he was wise enough from the word of God to be able to look and say, Lord, I want what you want. So nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then heaven sent help. Angels came to him to help him to go through the, the trial that he was going through. And he faithfully endured and fulfilled his mission as a high priest suffering on the cross for us. So we need to have a healthy diet. And a healthy diet is going to bring us to maturity to know how to deal with things. Well, you know, some people are saying in the Bible that homosexuality is not really, um, you know, really a, a sin. And that's not true. Or some are saying, it doesn't matter if you live together with your boyfriend or girlfriend. As long as you love each other, that's okay. That fornication is all right. That was an old Victorian thing. Some people are saying you don't have to pay your taxes. Some people are saying, what does the Bible have to say about these things? What does the Bible have to say? And so you go there, and as a skilled person, you can, you can handle the word. And you can understand what it's supposed to be like. Well, you know, how are we supposed to to deal with you know, the, the, uh, the tension that exists within our country because, over race issues. Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible and find out what the word of God has to say of how we're to treat all people, whether they look like us or not. And so you will be exhorted and trained in the word of God. I'm not waiting to find out what the next podcast is from my favorite guy or gal to know what to do with my life. I'm not waiting for, you know, the next talk show host. I'm not waiting for, you know, uh, whoever, you know, Oprah to come out with their next topic so I can figure out what to do with my marriage. No, I've got the word of God. And the word of God is something as I interact with it, as I read it, and as I study it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this exercise, and it's a word he actually used. He says, who by reason of use have their senses exercised. The word exercise, the Greek uh, word is where we get our English word gymnasium from. Think about the athlete. That's the metaphor that's brought in here. Think of the athlete who is so skilled because they have exercised themselves in that, that one, one activity. You know, the one that, uh, that always amazes me um, is 
Those guys who jump off of cliffs or out of planes in these winged suits. You ever seen this? What in the world? You, better, you have to be perfect 100 times on that. But they'll, they'll jump off these massive cliffs and they'll go down through these gorges and they're traveling at these high speeds and they will even come and they'll come and they'll land inside a moving plane. You better not be too far ahead. <laughs> There's a prop up there. You know, and they can do this. And it's amazing. They've exercised themselves and they've trained themselves to be able to do this. Or, throwing a pitch, and I want it to bend this way, I want it to bend that way, I want it to sink, I want it to rise, and they learn how to hold the ball and to throw it, or whatever it is that you are interested in, it's something they've exercised themselves to be able to do. You would be a fool to say, hey, I bought a wingsuit, I'm gonna go try it out today. <laughs> you know, it's like, just, they just jump, it works. No, you, you might wanna practice a little bit and build up to it, right? Well, as believers, we are to be exercising ourselves in the word of God. To know the word of God so that when the culture or the podcast or the talk show host or our pastor or spiritual leader says something, that you're able to say, that's not what the Bible says. And I don't have to evaluate this because I've already done it. I'm skilled. I know what the word of God says. That is sinful. That is wrong. That is not true. And so we reject it. But this group of believers, they were not in a place to be able to do that. When they were wondering, should we go to the temple and offer these sacrifices and not believe in Jesus? They lacked the, the, the necessary skill to look and say, no, he's the final sacrifice. He died once for all. And so they were in this place of having a difficulty to discern between both good and evil. And so we need to be those that are able to just say, this is how we do it. Let me read to you this one quote. It says, it is ethically mature people, those who through practice have had their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil, who have built up in the course of experience a principle or standard of righteousness by which they can pass discriminating judgment on moral situations as they arise. And you know, that's where we need to be. We, we shouldn't be reacting to every new thing that comes along by a false teacher or a wayward pastor or some person out in the world. It's like, this is it. Say, like, that's not what the Bible says. How do you know? Because I'm an expert. I'm skilled in the word of God. I have given my life to know it. And I, I don't think any of us should be ashamed. Do I know everything? No, but you should be skilled. A person who is highly skilled in a professional have you gone to them lately? It doesn't mean they know everything. Have you figured that out yet? Now, praise the Lord for their skills, but when you go, they don't know everything. You ever sat there and had a professional tell you something? You're like, that is wrong. I mean, I, don't, I haven't gone to school, but I know, I know that's wrong. And um, yeah, that happens. I mean, you know, we all have our stories. But you should become so skilled in the word of God that you know how to live life, you know how to treat each other, you know, you know what the things do, you know how to instruct people. It's like, what do you mean I shouldn't be afraid? Are you sure that's what the Bible says? Listen, I'm positive, trust me. I've studied the word of God. And you shouldn't be afraid, and here's the reason why you shouldn't be afraid, because your God is watching over you. He's in control of everything. He made the earth, he made you, he's in control. You don't have to be afraid. How do you know? Because I've studied the Bible. Let's go to those verses. You're skilled, you're, you're an expert in the word of God. I mean, you know every Bible difficulty, 
but you can handle it. And so this was the exhortation that came. As we close here, I exhort you to read your Bible this year. Read through the Bible. Like, well, I'm not a good reader. Well, good news. There's this thing called apps, and you can download a Bible, and it'll tell you what, you know, just play it for you and listen. You know, you'll be amazed. You got a 10-minute drive to work? All right, 10 minutes. Don't let this be your only intake, but 10 minutes there, 10 minutes home, that's 20 minutes. If you listen to it at one and a half speed, you're up to 30 minutes of the word. Anybody else do that? You're up to 30 minutes of the word in a single day. And all you did was drive to work. Redeem the time. Hey, study the Bible. Don't just hear it. Don't just read it. Work with it. Reason. Use your senses. Exercise yourself around it. Attend the midweek Bible study. Attend the women's study. Attend the men's studies. Go to the home fellowship. Come on Sunday morning. You're already here. I don't need to say that. But get into the word as many opportunities as you possibly can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that there's been men and women that have come around our life and they've spoken to us. They've exhorted us. They've convinced us. They've rebuked us. They've exhorted us. They've comforted us. Lord, we need it all. We want it all. But Lord, may we as individuals right now decide that we're going to become skilled individuals with the word of God, not tossed to and fro, but people that just know the truth. If that's something that's needing to happen is not going on in your life, then why don't you make the commitment today? I'm, I'm going to become a skilled man or woman in the word. I'm not going to arrive this year, but I'm going to be further down the road this time next year than I am right now. No question. I'm going to figure this out. Maybe there's, you've already are skilled in the word, but you're not helping anybody else out. You're not helping anybody else out. Determine that you're going to instruct others. You're going to become a teacher. Oh, you're not going to have to prepare a Bible study. Maybe you will. You just got to be willing to sit down and talk about Jesus and what you know of him at that next get-together you have with them. Help them advance their faith. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. Help us to be these people, Lord. Lord, we've walked with you long enough that we should have known. And we do know. Help us to go further, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.